Welcome everyone to another episode of the One Up Former Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan J. Ingram here. And as always, we bring in innovators, entrepreneurs, people that are high impact, high value to give you all advice on what they're doing outside of their life or outside their career and their work to figure out what they're doing in their life to be successful. And today we have an, an incredible guest. Like y'all need to y'all need to pay attention to this one. Uh, we got Anthony Trucks, so former NFL player and has been on American Ninja Warrior, which is which is pretty which is pretty cool. And then also international public speaker, and currently right now is working with tons of different people on their transformational identity shift and helping them get an understanding of how can they be focusing on what is the science and the psychology to upgrade their lives and to elevate themselves so that they can be successful in their lives. So, I mean, this is a great person to have on the show to talk about psychology, mindset. A lot of you all have been asking me about this, so we're about to dive into it. Real quick, I want to show some love to one of our sponsors, Lesson Lee, and my guy, Kyle Lacey over there. It's a powerful yet simple readiness and training software for high growth sales teams. And as we all know, it's a virtual environment, so it's really important to have the remote teams on the same page so they can deliver amazing experiences to the customers and prospects. And I love their motto, by the way, do better work, check them out. They're helping major brands like HelloFresh, Goodwill, Birchbox, and Thrive Market do success. And a lot of their clients are saying that their software gives them a lot more confidence in the way that they onboard their new reps and their existing reps. That's massive. So if you're in the market for it, check them out. Easy to use, easy to adopt. It's lessonly.com. So it's L-E-S-S-O-N-L-Y.com. And you can also click the link in the show notes to get there as well. I'm super pumped and excited to hear from Anthony. He has his own podcast, so you know we're going to have fun here. And welcome, Anthony, to the show. What's going on? What's happening? And hopefully we got all that information accurate for you. Tell us a little bit more about yourself as yeah, well. Yeah. I think you, I, I mean, I'm sure you got everything. That's my life. Podcast over. Let's press on. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap. No, yeah, you got, I mean, the, the base of it for sure. Um yeah, we'll, we'll cover all that stuff. I, I work more in, in identity than mindset, which is fun. It's, it's a fun distinction that most people are like, what do you mean? There's no difference, but there's a vast difference. But no, let's have some fun, man. What's going on is, I don't know, I'm here hanging with you. Have a good time. Uh, what's happening? I don't know. What's happening? Captain? I don't know. We're just having fun. Man. Let's, let's have a little chat. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I'm sure it's going to be some fun stuff. Oh, absolutely. So I'm going to dive into a couple of things before we get into the meat of the interview. I had a question for you around... Shelf life. You said this in a video. Uh, we have these things called shelf life, where basically at the end of the day, uh, we get all this knowledge and then we just put on the shelf. We don't do anything about it. We don't take action. Yeah, talk a little bit more about that. I found that to be a fascinating video, and I think the audience would really like that insight yeah, that you yeah. shared as well. It's uh, it's shelf esteem. Shelf esteem. There we go. Shelf esteem. There we go. Esteem. Yeah. No. It's uh, well, the world we live in now. Here's the thing that I realized. There are moments in time when we get to a certain point. We have visions and dreams and goals. I'm sure yourself, one up. We have goals and visions. And what I find is we get to the point of we consume a lot or we buy a lot, right? We buy a lot of books and information. And then what we do is we get to those moments where it's like, it's the end of the day and someone goes, hey, did you get that done, Morgan? And you go, oh man, I couldn't because well, my, my wife was doing this, kids are doing this. I had, you know, the client did this, X, Y, and Z. And I go, okay, great. I actually ask my clients this question. I say, okay, so all this stuff happened. Okay, the person who's living the dream that you told me you wanted, would they make that excuse right now? Hmm. And they wouldn't, right? They would just, they wouldn't even consider to make it. They would just move past. It would just be done already, right? That's just the reality. And so when I talk to people, I'm like, look, the problem nowadays is not a matter of the information. It's who you are with it. But before you get there, a lot of the problem is, is people, they will buy the things. They will buy the book, buy the course. They'll, they'll invest in all of it. And they immediately get this, this esteem of like, good job, you got it. And it goes up on the shelf. And so it's on the shelf and I look at it, but I never really consume it. So it can't get put in the life. And so I get stuck. Now it can go from the shelf on an actual shelf in your bookcase, right? If you're one of the, I call it 10% of people-ish that actually consume it, it'll go from the shelf of the book to the shelf of your mind. And then now it's like, okay, well, what happens? A lot of people, they get to that moment, they never put it into the real life. So they don't get the outcome of it. It's like one to 3% of people who take it off the shelf and put it into life. They apply it. 
And so because of that, I believe we have this, this epidemic of self-esteem of people who are wondering, how come my life isn't much better? I bought that book and I bought that course and I went to that seminar and I went to that event and I listened to that podcast. That's all phenomenal. But what have you done with it? And those who live in this, this world that want to have something, they are, they are not individuals who have self-esteem. They have self-esteem because they took it, did something with it and feel great about themselves. Right. And then they have like a bookcase behind them and say, hey, check me out. And it's like, well, you have, what is the action you've taken? <laughs> what have yeah, you done? Well, yeah. I, I yeah. love the thing is when we get to the nowadays on Zoom, people get the green screens with a whole bunch of books. And there's been a couple of people where I can't tell. I'm like, is that a real bookcase? Like, oh, no, it's not. I'm like, but if it was, would you have read it? Oh, no. I had, dude, listen to this. <laughs> I had one guy, this was an amazing one, where I was talking about something and it was a real bookcase behind him. It was like the background. And I go, man, cool books. So I asked, like, I'm, I'm big on like, read the books you got. And, uh, and I go, hey, have you read all those? He goes, yeah, yeah, I read all of them. I said, okay, cool, man. I said, most people don't. And I kept going with the podcast. I got an email like a week later. He's like, man, it's been eating at me. He's like, I told you on the podcast that I'd read every book. Mm-hmm. I just had a like snap reaction. But to be honest, I haven't even read half of them. I don't know why I lied to you, but I got to get it off my chest. I was like, well, I appreciate them, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> thanks for letting me know. But <laughs> I appreciate the integrity, my guy. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's just the truth. I think we all live in that bubble. And if, and if we think about it, I think that the, the problem is to get out of self-esteem. People look at it as one big, you know, swoop and one big push and a stressful exertion. It's not. It's yeah. incremental. It's just a page a day. You know, it's just a step a day. It's just a call a day. It's an email a day. It's a, it's a, I watch some of your stuff. It's, it's follow up, right? Why? Like they say, no, why, why is it a no? It's that little bit, it's a little piece, you know? And so I think if people can lean in a little bit more to doing that stuff daily, then you get out of the area of, of being satisfied with the shelf esteem. I am not satisfied with any piece of information. I know I am only satisfied when I see the outcome of using what I know. I absolutely love that. And it, it leaves the two things, uh, getting 1% better every single day. Like you said, that one page, right? That one, I watch a YouTube video every single morning. That that's yeah. the seven to 15 minutes. Like it's not a whole lot. Right. And then the other part is genuine curiosity. I feel like a lot of people as of right now, probably most of you listening in have started to get there, but I think still there's some people out there that are not genuinely curious about learning more. How can I become more? And speaking of that, I have another question for you is that you were in the NFL. You made it. So obviously you applied the information. You weren't just like, oh, maybe I can get there. You got there. So when you got there, was it what you thought it was going to be? And what is something that shocked you that most people would not consider for people that are NFL players? Well, you think it's going to be hard. You think it's going to be work. It's different. Yeah. though. It, 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 it was worse than what I thought it was going to be. Mm, we'll okay. put it that way. <laughs> but I think it has to be because it's a world-class level. We're not talking about your, your local college or your high school team. And this is, this is the entire world watching. And so the reality was, you know, it's going to be hard work. I think the type of hard work is what nobody's really prepared for most times, or you can be prepared for, but you don't realize it till you get there, we'll call it. And, and what it is, it's essentially a couple areas. It's hard because you're dealing with emotional stuff. You're dealing with, in college, everybody loves you. And you're, you're on the team, no matter what in the NFL, no one loves you because you might take their job and now they don't have any way to feed their family today. Or the, the, the head coach might lose his job if you can't do it. So like it's cutthroat and you could be fired right now, every yeah. day, right now. So there's no, there's no stability to it, right? On top of that, it's not a game where it's a matter of who's fastest. Now, yes, speed plays a massive role, but at that level, everybody's fast. Everybody's. I mean, the difference between us is like, you know, tenths of seconds. If that's not very much, especially if you slip, make a misstep. And I got 11 guys in the field. So like what it really is, it's a mental game. It is more mental at that level than most people comprehend. Cause here's the thing is the speed of the game is faster than most people's brains can handle. If you watch a football play, what most people don't realize is anytime that somebody moves, the, everything changes. So if you ever see a receiver go from one side of the field and jog across the field on the defensive side, if you were to listen in, it's like, check, check, stone, tango, t-. like we're changing between three or four different defenses. And in each defense, if it's a run, I have a job. If it's a pass, I have a job. And I have to know in a split second what the defense is, whether it's a pass or a run, what my role is and react to it. I'm talking fast. So it's a very hard mental game. And when you make mistakes, which obviously it's easy to make them, you yep. get reamed. So now you have even more the compounding. I'm physically beat up. 
Nobody likes to be emotionally beat up sometimes. I'm making mistakes. It just, dude, it compounds and compounds. And so at that level, it, it's either sink or swim. But if you learn to swim, bro, you can swim with the sharks. If you learn to swim, a lot, a lot of people, they get in situations like that. And to be quite honest, it doesn't have to be sports. It could be a high pressure job. When you get into it, if it gets difficult and you try to find a way to remove yourself, you will always find one. And then you don't know how to swim. And guess what? You stand on the shore and go, man, I want to be out in the ocean with the sharks. Well, bro, you had your shot. So yeah. you got to jump in with the sharks. You better start learning how to, how to become a shark. But it's, it's, a, it's an emotional thing at any level. It's a mental and emotional struggle for a lot of people to get to the point of having high success in any capacity. So because you mentioned that that was the, like the, hey, you had those, hey, there was a lot of things that you just weren't prepared for, might have been the worst. Were you mentally prepared for going on that deep end? Did you know it was going to be like that? Not that deep. <laughs> I know it's going to be deep, but not that deep. I mean, because here's what it is. It's like you get there and you're hoping like, hey, they asked you to come here. So they want you to come. They're going to teach you stuff. And it's like you just have the opportunity to get good. You have the opportunity to be here. Yeah. doesn't mean you make it. That's all it is. You're given an opportunity. And the crazy part, what's difficult is, is in my world of identity, like you identify as the football player. So when they say we don't like you as a football player, it feels like we don't like you as a human, mm -hmm. right? It's like, it's like if, you, if you were the accountant and then all of a sudden they fired you, you're like, oh, I'm horrible as a human. Now they just didn't need you there. Like maybe they, they had too many accounts or the company downsized, whatever. Maybe. But when you have an identity locked into something and then you get, that gets shattered, bro, it's difficult. Yeah. And so like, there, there's just a lot of, of nuances that go into the sports thing. And as, as much as I talk about the sports and the football, I have felt the same emotions in terms of like, professional experiences and problems outside of the game because it's a human experience. It's just a catalyst to be put in a position to feel that emotion. And I think that's why a lot of athletes come out and they do well in life because it's, it's a microcosm of the real world. And so while I may not have the skill sets you have, and I may not have like the time and under tension you got in that realm, when I get into it, I bring intangibles that you haven't developed just quite yet. And I can go faster than you because where it took you a year to do that, it took me six months because I didn't hang anything. I didn't, I didn't hang around. I didn't go slow. I didn't procrastinate. I didn't make, you know, excuses. I just did it. And those are the things that benefit, but it is, dude, it's super hard to gain that in the game. And it's super hard to stick around. That's why the, the average, most people think the average career is three years. They do. And that's based on guys who get in. Like my career was three. I got hurt in my third year. I'm the average, right? The average for every person that enters the NFL and gets out is three months. Because mm -hmm. guys get in, they get a contract, they get cut by training camp. Three months, dude. It's, it's a short little window. You get in, I'm in the off season, I go to training camp, cut, 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 cut. Because so many guys, they get cut. It's just, it goes from like 90 something to 53. Every team, seriously. So it's like, it's a tough, it's a tough place to get to. But the cool thing is, if you didn't play the game, you still get the opportunities to get those same muscles built outside of sports. It's just a matter of how do you lean in or lean out. I'm, I'm, there's a lot of nuggets there um, that that you shared, and then I think the one of the big things is you know identity, and we're going to talk even more about that here. A lot of people that listen in sales reps, some people are business owners. We may even have some athletes here, and ultimately, you know, my mentor gave me this advice, and it really helped me. He said, "Hey." You're not, your identity isn't in being in sales or your identity is actually not even being a public speaker. It's like being an athlete, being a football player, being a salesperson is what you do. It's not who you are. And that's a very, that's a tough conversation for some people to have because you've worked so hard to get to a certain level. It's that's who you are, right? So if you don't hit quota, if you don't get that touchdown, if you don't get that tackle, if you get cut three months, like most people, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Like now you're like, what do I do? Yeah, and, and, and who do I need to become? It's a good metaphor I, I thought up. I put it in my book recently, actually, but I thought this up about like seven, eight months ago. And it's like, it's like the fruit of our labor, right? To be a sales rep, to be the head person, to be the athlete, that's the fruit of the labor, right? And you're this fruit, this apple, it's amazing. And sometimes the apple falls off the tree, yeah. right? We, you lose a job, you lose a career, whatever it is, and you feel like this apple, man, but you can last for a little bit. You know, you can, it's like a real apple. I can get picked up off the ground, get taken to the store, taken to somebody's house. I'll sit there for a while. Eventually though, 
I, I lose a shelf life, man. I, I, I rot and I feel rotten inside and I have, I've lost all that makes me me. And I did this in my real life and it, it affected so much more than just the football, man. I got divorced. I was a not present father. I got out of shape. Business was tanking. And what I realized was years later, unfortunately, is we have never, ever, ever been the fruit. We have always been the tree. Mm. The tree is the identity and the tree produced the fruit. Yeah. So whatever you got, like whoever you are, you produced that career, that jobs, which means that if you go and take care of the tree, you can produce better and more abundant fruit. You can, right? For, for me, football fell off the tree and I lost sight of the tree. So the family fell apart, health yep. went out the window, parent, all that, because I wasn't pruning the branches, watering it. I wasn't taking care of the tree. When you go back and take care of the tree, all of a sudden, like I and my life have a, a sweeter and more abundant, fruitful life than I ever had while playing professional sports. And it goes in the same line where you're talking about, you are someone completely separate from what you do. Now, the thing is interesting is, is what you do helps create moments where it strengthens the tree, Absolutely. right? You know, the, the fruit helps strengthen the branch of the tree. When it gets heavier, the tree has to get stronger to hold the fruit, right? These things happen. Or if the tree is, you know, giving nutrients to the fruit, it has to absorb more from the ground of nutrients. It gets better at absorbing nutrients in the roots. So it actually helps the, the ecosystem of it. But you never are the fruit. And the moment that you really let that settle in and you start understanding what that means, you take care of you, the, the byproduct of taking care of the tree is amazing fruit. I mean, if you're not taking notes right there out there right now, I don't I don't have no idea what you're doing. I mean, there is a lot of fire coming in here. And, and the thing is, is I, I really like the perspective around focusing on being that tree and, and understanding how to water and nurture the tree, obviously, so it can grow and then bring the fruit of the labor of what you decide that path's going to be. Because obviously our career can continuously change and you've changed to a lot of different things. And, you know, you obviously have a book coming out, I believe, I mean, it's almost in July. So in August next month around that identity shift and how do you upgrade your life? And that's what people are here to learn. So would be interesting to hear from you. Um, you mentioned a couple things. You said, hey, I messed up here. I messed up here. But obviously you've been evolving along the way. What are three things that you do outside of your career, your work that help elevate your work as you have been in this position as of right now? Yeah, man. Uh, I set my own scale. That's one big piece, man. Is okay. So step one I find for me is it's always tied to like, what am I shooting for? What are people shooting for, right? I yeah. think we have this, man, it's a difficult situation in life because we adopt the world scale. The world says mm -hmm. more, more of everything. Why? Just because you should have more, more money, more sex, more drugs, more TV, more, more, more food, right? And so what happens is even if you build to something and accomplish something great, the moment you show it to the world, the world says, yeah, but you could have done more. And now you're immediately met with this dissatisfaction and like an empty feeling of like, man, I did all this stuff and I'm not fulfilled. I guess I just got to keep doing more stuff, right? And, and so for me, I think the big thing is like, you want to go big, man, set your scale for what big is and be okay with that. Even if somebody tells you it's not big enough. Hmm. Simple. Like that's a, that's a really big key for me. Now you can, you can have other people hop in and, and stretch that, like make it like one inch out of comfort zone, right? So I may have a dream and a goal but I may make it safe. So I'll, I'll give it to some people and say, hey, here's my, my dreams and goals. What do you think of this? They go, oh, bro, you're selling yourself a little bit short. You could shoot for this, right? Like, I'm not going to go out and say, I want to win a Grammy this year. Bro, I don't even have any skills that would make, help me run it. That's an unrealistic. <laughs> how, would you, how would you get there? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like, but the, hey, but like, maybe you can double your income so you can actually go and give back to these, these organizations you want. Okay, great. This is a goal. It scares me. Okay, let me go do that, right? But there's a reality of like, I kick it out there. Then the big thing that I do is once I have a scale set for myself, I have to figure out what does and does not go on my plate. There, there are a lot of dreams and aspirations, especially for creators and hustlers. Mm -hmm. There are too many opportunities nowadays. Too many. I can, be, I can become anything, bro. I can make a SaaS company and product and a program. I can do drop shipping through eBay or, or Amazon. I can, I can create a, an affiliate business. I can speak, coach. There's so much, man. Lot of and the reality is I got to sit down and say, okay, of all these things, what belongs to my plate? And the worst part is when people say I want to do something and they never create what's magical, which is momentum. Because they want to go down these different avenues and multiple revenue streams. You don't get to multiple revenue streams by trying to fill up all five jugs at one hose. You, you fill up one jug and you get a full jug of water. 
And then you go to the next hose. And then you go, then you get skill sets on how to better fill the hose, the bucket up. But people stay broke because they're trying to spread their energy too far. So you have to actually find a way to dig in and say, what are the things that need to be done now? Then what need to be done six months from now, 12 months, 18 months? What are the things that can come off my plate so I can finish this meal? Because that's a big thing. People don't finish the meal because they they are doing their focus on five meals at one time. Like you need to have just what it goes to the plate on the plate. Uh, I look at it as a weird metaphor. It's like sleeping dogs. Yeah. So imagine they're sleeping dogs in this little tight pen. Well, they're all sleeping, which means they can all fit. They're not bothering each other. They're all sleeping, no problem. But if all those dogs woke up and they're trying to get around, it would be a madhouse. And yeah. that's insanity. That, it's sanity. And that's how it is with a lot of our dreams. It's like when they're all not doing anything, it's great, but wake them all up, bro. Good luck trying to get all those things done. That's crazy. <laughs> so I tell people just the same way you love an idea is kind of like how you love a dog if you're a dog lover. And that's where this will make sense. Some ideas need to get put to sleep. So, so how, how, do, you, how do you know when to just, you know, put so the dream? Yeah, how yeah. do you know? You, you make a choice. I don't know if you do know. I don't know if it's, here's one idea. When I was in high school, I, I loved car stereos. When I was in college, I was like, I'm going to open a car stereo company called Trucks' Trunks. I'm going to put subwoofer <laughs> back. <laughs> you know that, what I'm saying? That's a good name. <laughs> it was a good name. It was an idea that, that needed to die, though. I'm like, that's, that's not going to work. I'm not going to open a car stereo company and do that. that. I had to kill that dream off. And the thing is, is some dreams are cool but they're not going to be the ones that make, make the needle move. Right. So like, that's an idea where it's like, it sounds fun, but it needs to go. I think there are certain ones we all have now that now just because we kill an idea, you don't have to kill all of them. Here's the other thing. You can, you can put some to sleep. I'm sorry, but you can also have some stay asleep. Right. So I can, I can have in that same pen. I'm, when I kill off the dreams, I'm just leaving space for some to stay. Yep. So I can have, one or two dogs awake and still have one or two sleeping, right? So some ideas you kill them, some ideas you keep them asleep. And then some you wake up, but they have room. They can eat the food. The other dogs are sleeping, you know what I mean? So with ideas, when we're looking at the things we want to do, I think the biggest part to be able to have like this progression is have a very clear scale of what is going to be great for you to know which ideas to put to sleep, which ones to keep asleep, and which ones to wake up. And the third piece, which is, it's the, the way that I get all my life run is this is, this is, it's weird. People buy planners with no idea how to plan. <laughs> like, yeah, there's, no, <laughs> here's a planner, but there's no, there's no like tutorial on how to actually use the planner. Not. And then <laughs> it's wild. Say, and then, and yeah. And it's like, then they wing it. Then they try to wing some way. And if they do like, they get the thing, I'm going to do this at this time, this at this time. And it's like, you put in that one hour, a 10 hour project, bro. What are you doing? Come on. Yeah. You're not going to. You're not about to launch a podcast from four to five on Wednesday afternoon. Like you, there's going to be a little more work involved with this process, but people do stuff like this. So what I found is like, I, I have to find a way to organize my life in a way that helps me be ridiculously efficient and effective, but also have variety and be able to live and adjust. And so I created a system years ago that actually is part of my work because it leads to the habits that lead to your identity. Right. And so what I found is like, well, there's parts of my life that are non-negotiables, my family time, my health, my food, like that's stuff that I just, I put in. And what I do is people talk about, put the big rocks in first. Well, we all do that. People will put the big rocks in, they'll put the eating, they'll put that, but then it's like, all right, well, where do I do my project work? And this is the big thing that dude, if you, if people grab this, this will be a game changer for their lives. Before I put anything into my schedule for projects, I have a process. Matter of fact, I just recently did this. Where's it at? There are I'd be able to see all of it, but it's like, it's all my scribble writing. Yep. Yep. But I will write down things that need to go into my, my, my planner. What are the dogs that are, that are awake? These are the dogs that are awake for my life right now. And I go, great. Of all these little things, each one is a project that needs to be put into my calendar. Yep. But here's what I do. Most people will step into the day and go, okay, I got to work on this project. I got five projects to do. I got an hour to work on something. So they get to that hour and they go, which one do I work on that one? Or maybe, and 15 minutes goes by and they go, oh, I only got 45 minutes to get this thing. Which one should I go? Okay, I'll work on this one for a minute. But, but should, I, what, should I do that one? And then 30 minutes is gone. And the next thing you know, it's like I'm scrolling on social media, right? And so I go, okay, great. Well, here's the problem. You, you didn't have any way to infuse it in. You know it's got to get done, but you had no process to put it in. So here's what I do. I take this little piece of paper. I write it down. I go, how many minutes will that actually take me? So if I want to launch a podcast, 
I know right now, if I was to walk somebody through it, I can get a podcast for them launched in 10 actual hours. Doesn't mean a 10 random hours, but if I was to have you focused and working for 10 hours, no matter who you are, we'll get it done in 10. You can probably do it faster if you're smarter and, and you can stay focused, but 10 hours. So what I do is, okay, great. Here's my big, my life, my eating, whatever. I can look across my counter and say, you know what, this week, I have an extra 27 hours. Okay, great. Well, maybe this podcast doesn't get launched for four weeks. Cool. So I really essentially have for 10 hours, if I do you know, two and a half hours a week for the next four weeks, it's launched. So 27 hours this week, I'm going to do two and a half of the podcast. And I'm going to do two and a half next week. And then the next week after that, and then I'm going to have it done and ready to launch. Yep. Cool. Okay. Let's take a look at project B. Let's say it's going to be a book I'm going to write. The book I'm going to write is going to be, uh, this one actually took me like 60 hours to write my most recent one, but I wrote it over like a four month period. So I took it and spread it across. So each week it's like a couple hours, move along, right? And all I do is I do it with every one of the projects. So eventually what you have going on is a situation where you now go through your week and when you're working on project A, all you're thinking about is project A because I know that B, C, D, E, and F are already organized, infused, and where they have to be. So not only do I get that thing done right now, I free up space in my brain because I'm not stressed. So when I want to go finish the project, project gets done. You know what's even better? Not only is project done, but I now can be, when the day is done, I can be home with my kids and be mentally with my kids because I know the rest of the stuff is where it's supposed to be and get done when it's supposed to be done. And so when we talk about the tactics and strategies, I plan with my planner. I have a very specific structure of how I run this planner to where like I can be here with you and focused. To be honest, I didn't even know we were recording 100% until I, I looked at my calendar <laughs> before I got on the call. I just know what my next one up. I know my next thing. Okay, I'm looking at it. Okay, cool. I got the next thing going. I live my life in that way to where like, it's breathable. So when everything, when I take a break, like I got an actual break, a mind break too. And so that allows me to get more done in less time and do it with less stress. Um, that's insanely powerful and very insightful because most people have tasks, but don't know how long the task takes. So then you're looking around, you're like, what am I supposed to be doing here? I don't know what's going on. And then you're lost, right? You have no, no clue. So everything you said there is spot on. And you know, everybody here can also get that understanding as well. I know, I know getting an interruption in the middle of the episode and having an ad pop up in the middle of a great point is the worst. However, I want to show some love to my organization and sponsor JB sales. And as many of you know, I started out giving out sales content on a YouTube channel and podcast called the SR Chronicles. And I created the one up formula to figure out different concepts. However, on a day to day basis, I'm still talking about sales and I am a business professional that happens to give out sales techniques and a sales trainer over at JB Sales. And we train reps for leading companies like Slack, Google, MindBody, Salesforce, and many fast growing companies like that. And what some of you may not know, hot tip, is that you can access our content for yourself with our new on-demand platform. So people are constantly asking me for my sales tips and constantly asking questions from multiple platforms like on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and everything that I talk about is inside of the on-demand platform. And we're seeing crazy results from people all across the board. And people are DMing me telling me, hey, we're, we're scheduling 20x more meetings, 2x on our cold call conversions, and using video prospecting to schedule net new meetings into accounts they never were able to. So if you're interested in this, on these incredible results that we're seeing, feel free to check us out. And if you're in sales, and if you're looking to up your sales game, this is for you. So check us out, JB Sales On Demand over at ondemand.jbarrows.com. That's ondemand, J-B-A-R-R-O-W-S.com. And per usual, I'll put the link in the show notes. All right, let's get back in the episode. For everyone taking a step back in the audience, it's, hey, take a task, figure out how long it takes, figure out what you're gonna do with it, and all those things across the board, which kind of want to go back to what you said it, on number one is setting the scale. And for everyone's scale, it's going to be different. What are some things that people can be doing 
to really understand how to set their own scale? And then how have you done that for yourself? Because we're in this more, more, more culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I start realizing who I, who I want to be at the end of it all. Yeah. But here's the thing is, I think people start thinking about what they want more than start thinking about who they are. And the problem with that is if you, if you actually are that person, you have the things that person has. Mm-hmm. So that the scale we set is unfortunate because we end up sometimes setting a scale for what we want and then get what we want and not like who we are. There are a lot of people, movies are made about this stuff. The guy that wants to have the multi-billion dollar business and he gets there and like his wife hates him, his kids won't talk to him. He has no real friends. Like, damn, bro, you got what you wanted, but you never thought about who you had to be to get that. And so when you set your scale, I believe it starts with, who do I want to be as a human? Like, do I want to, do I want to be the person who is so business-minded and so focused on that that the only thing people know me as is the business owner, right? Is that, is that who you want to be? And if it is, totally cool, man. I'm not knocking you at all, yeah. but be aware of it, right? And then also, if you want to accomplish something, take it a step further and say, okay, if I want to accomplish that, what kind of person do I need to be to actually have that and have it long-term? So maybe you're like, you know what? I want to run a seven-figure business. Great. If you want to have that, you're going to have to be the person who does certain things you don't do right now. Maybe you have to be the person who gets up early. Maybe you have to be the person that can run a team and, and have longevity of, of the people that are part, you know, part of your company, which means you might have to be more inviting and more communicative. You might have to spend more time at work than you're used to. Uh, yep. you, might, you might have to read more books. You might have to do more stuff with clients. You, might ha- you have to do more. And in doing that, there's a person behind the scenes that, that does that. If that's not who you want to be, you should really question what it is you want to have. Yep. And that, that's, the, that's the marriage of the work I do is I look at people and I say, you want to have something more. You want to make more money, which a lot of my clients, that's the goal, man. We want to make, what, who doesn't want to make more money? It's the reality. It's always in there somewhere. And it's, and it's not because of a fact of like, I want to have more zeros. It's like, I want to have more freedom. Right. I want to have more empty spaces in my calendar without having to lose money. So that's where I get that is. But my big thing is that desire, it comes with a certain type of person. And if we can chart out who that person is, you'll chart your path to income. You'll chart your path to freedom. And so when you're setting your scale, my first thing is for us to go in and say, how do we get to the point of being very clear on who you are going to become that has what it is you want to have? And... As they're going on that path, a couple things that I think people miss out on is if maybe they're looking at someone that they want to become, right? Maybe like, hey, I want to be the next so-and-so. How important is looking at the morals and the values of that person as well? And you in turn looking at that as part of this process? Yeah, that's actually part. I, I, so that's all I'm talking about. It's actually, it's a method. It's called the shift method. We go through all this. It's actually in the book, uh, The Good Foundation of It. But it, it's what you're saying is true. There are a lot of people who will look to people and they'll, they'll want to be like them. And the problem with that is, is you don't realize that what they may show you isn't their entire life. Yeah. And being like them, you may not like who they are as a human. They may not like who they are as a human, to be honest. Yeah. So what I have people do is we do like a research process. There's a process where you do internal and external research on identity traits you see of people. And you start looking like, do I want to have part of that in my life? And do I want to have part of this in my life? And you may find a person, you're like, you know what? I absolutely love how they run their business, but I hate the kind of father that they are. It's possible. Or you know what? I love the kind of shape that person's in, but I hate how they treat their, their spouse and, and social media. Like they're in great shape, but they're horrible with their spouse, right? There's, there's parts of these things, but all you have to do is say, with the understanding that people have multiple identities, like the identity I have with you right now is not the same as I have with my wife, you know, or my kids or yeah. with my friends. It's, it's a, I'm not a different person, but the energy I bring in the conversation I have is a different conversation. And so the reality is we have different identities. And so if you can look at someone and go, okay, they have multiple identities, which one of those identities do I want to extract? And then if that's the one that I want to have, now we can backtrack and go, okay, what habits, what actions must I put in place to develop into that person, to not just do the things they do, but to be the person like that, that naturally does the things they do. And when you have a collection of those different identity traits you want, now it's a process of saying, okay, how do I build into that? And that, that's a process that we go through, but we already do it, to be honest. We do it accidentally is a problem so, for so our lives. Yeah, we, we, we haphazardly, we've already done it. Me and you right now are somebody because of 
for the most part, and, and, and you know, an unclear or, you know, haphazard development of, of self through parents' teachings and coaching and videos we saw and our life experience where we just survived and made things right. But most people don't ever go back and go, let me choose from the world I want to be. Let me work towards that person proactively. And that's essentially what I'm telling people they need to do nowadays because that's what we do need to do. Like, and when you, when you go back and look at like it's the fact that it's not that hard because you've already done it, and now we're just going to start choosing to do it with intention. It's like, oh, so do what I've already done, but do it with a better thought and I'll have a different outcome. hundred percent. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. And it, it's doing that inner work to get to that process. And one thing you mentioned is your parents and you were adopted and into a, a, a white family, which I would look, like to dive a little bit more into that. What are things that you learned during that process as you talk about like setting the scale? And then also what are some things that in that process that really opened your eyes because you were in that white family and you were the only black person there? Talk about that journey. It was a tough one, man, because I don't know who I am in those moments. Right. It's just I'm this yeah. kid trying to fit in. I mean, it's, I was trying to fit into a space where I wanted to be accepted because as humans, we all want to be accepted. Right. Uh, and, I, and I know that as we look at the acceptance portion, it's kind of difficult because most people don't naturally accept you at face value. So you feel like you have to conform to fit that. And so growing up in that environment, not that they didn't accept me at face value, but I didn't fit the norm for the family. I didn't look the same. I didn't talk the same. I didn't act the same. And then even at school, it didn't fit in right. So it's very dynamic, uh, dynamically like unsettling, we'll call it, for me to grow up in that environment. And on top of that, I had no solidarity for my internal sense of who I was. There was no like, this is who Anthony is. I was a leaf in the wind. It's a sucky place to be. Now, over time, I found my place. I got, I understood who I was, but you still always have that little voice in the back of your head of like, man, like what, what could life have been? Yeah. Like, what I'm was curious, that moment? Like, like, what was that moment I, when you I don't know if like there was a specific moment. I think there might've been a plethora of moments to be quite honest. It's, it's yeah. a consistent conversation. Cause you know, it's like, you know, you, you get to a point where you have these these moments at school or at home or, you know, like, you know, would this happen if I grew up if I was in a black family or, you know, we go out to restaurants and it's like there's eight of us table for seven. Like, no, a little black kid with us, too. You know, like, what would life be like if I didn't have to deal with that? Mm. What, if, what would I be like if I grew up in an environment where I saw other black kids? Like, I don't I didn't know other black kids growing up. Not until I was like high school, man, like. So it was a like, oh, different. <laughs> there's other people like me. Hold on. Well, it was a different, weird world. Even my half siblings, they're all they're Indonesian and white, and I'm black and white. And so, like, I didn't have that. So growing up, man, that environment was was um, was one where I had a different filter for the world. Very aware I was black because everybody else was too. <laughs> but <laughs> but the experience of it was interesting. However, as much as it might have been difficult, like I appreciate it, man. There's a the strength to me because of the things I've endured, as was everybody, you know, no matter what we go through, we, we can grow if we go through it the right way. And yeah, for my environment growing up, I was like this, who am I? Where do I fit? And the more that life kicks something to me, I, somehow I was wise enough to keep standing back up. That was a thing. Somehow I was able to keep getting back up because of whatever frustration or desire for more, or whatever it may be. But I kept getting back up and kept navigating it. And the more the thing is crazy. The more time you spend with something, the more you get to know it. The more time you spend with someone, the more you get to know them. And so for me in those situations, I got to know difficulty. I got to know diversity. I got to know discomfort. And to where it became a friend, toward this point, man, I welcome it. It's odd. Like I am, I am more at comfort at speed and, and with challenge than I am with peace. And when it, com when it comes to moving in that speed and also as well the one thing that you talked about is hey i i know that the more i get comfortable with something the more i'm around it i can get better at it that kind of like shifts into like what you said like in the in the middle you talked about momentum and filling up one jug and not you know we see all those videos it's like hey to be a millionaire you have to have seven streams of income and then you you're doing one tenth of seven things and you get nowhere so how how do you really decide what path that you want to go on and, and what jug to fill and how long should someone be committed to that? And I know it really does depend. That's part of the answer. But how does someone really dive into that to be like, you know what, this is the jug I'm going to fill. I'm going to stick here and do this for this long, because obviously the more you learn that skill, you can get better. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the more you learn a skill, the more you have a set of skills to apply anywhere. 
I think there's something magical behind making a choice. You know, there, there's, I, I think of it like if I'm sitting in a car at an intersection and I got to get somewhere and it's down one of these three paths, I can sit here at this intersection and try to figure out which path to take by looking down the street or what, or I can go, let me just drive down this road. It's only a mile. Let me drive down. I'm going to drive a mile in <clears throat> and go, oh, you know what? The wrong street. So now, although I went a mile and came back, I learned how to drive. You know, yeah. I've, I, I got used to the car a little bit. I come back, but I'm at that intersection. And now I have a little more skill set for driving. And it's a 50-50 choice. Choose it again. Let's say I go down that path and I chose the wrong one. Again, I've learned to drive better. I've made a better decisions. <laughs> yeah. But if now I know for sure, ah, that's the one. Now, in the amount of time would have taken me to go down each area and finally find the right direction, most people will have taken 10 times longer sitting at the intersection. I don't know what to do. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I'm not going to do anything. And they sit there and they sit there and they sit there and they sit there. And, and it's weird to me. So for me, what I can do is, is realize this. We have three intersections, three choices. To be quite honest, the first one you took some part of your gut told you to take that. I don't know why. It could have been a pure guess, but you went, there's an opportunity for it to be the right one. It could be. You can yeah. go the very first one and you got it. Like, hell yeah, I got it figured out, right? So what I look at for people, it's like making a choice, a decision, and just trying to make it right in and of itself is an amazing value. I don't always know what the right choice is. Most people say, hey, I got five ideas. Which one do I use first? I say, well, What's the, what do you need? I need money. Let's look at the, the ones that are making the most money first. We'll go down that path. Hey, which choice, what do you want to do? I want to create a longevity business. Great. Where's your heart pulling you? Here, here, and here. Which one do you want to work on first? Man, I don't know which one to do first. All right, let's just choose one. What do you mean? Let's just pick one. Why? Well, let's, let's pick one and we'll try to find a way to make it right. If it's wrong, we'll know. We'll learn. Yep. All right, we go down the path. And to be quite honest, most of us as humans, we have this weird knack of making things right. So somehow in a roundabout way, it always ends up being the right path. It's odd. It always ends up being the right path. Yep. Not every single time, but a lot of the time. Yeah, they should be like a, like a drastic, like wrong decision you shouldn't have done at all, right? Yeah, exactly. And so in doing that, you start uncovering that realistically, the fastest path to anything, it's just making a choice, even if the choice ends up being wrong. Take and an so, action. Yeah, take an action, man. Take a choice. Trust. That's what we'd say the gut. The gut, I, I think, is a subconscious pool of thoughts where we are taking in data and information and events nonstop. All, we're doing it right now. We're taking things in. And it gets stored in this back area of the hippocampus. And then we, call it, we call it the gut because it's like that area where your conscious mind hasn't put the thought together, but your subconscious mind has. And it's poking, saying, hey, hey, stop that. Don't go in that room. That's, it's dark. You know, like, hey, that's a scary movie. You shouldn't go in there. Why, you know, like it's. <laughs> It's a subconscious thought that's poking. And a lot of us say, shut up. I'm going to listen to this brain. But this is limited on information. It's not pulling from the data. And so for me, when I trust my gut and I make these decisions, I'm trusting all the failures, all the successes, all the conversations, all the books that I can't even consciously recall, but my gut is recalling. And I make choices from there. And then the more I do that, the more I start to trust it. Yeah. So I, I make choices off gut nowadays. But it's not by chance. It's gut, but it's also a gut with a very detailed and dialed in processing it's doing. So I, I want to talk about trusting your gut. And I like to call this woo-woo. Some people think it's a woo-woo, just like meditation. They say, oh, that's woo-woo, but it works, right? So tell us an example of when you finally listened to your gut for the first time and how did that make you feel? I don't know if it was the first time. I know a big time. I okay. know a big time where it took yep. place. So I was, I was sitting in a, so I, I have weird things I do. So I guess trusting my gut led me to an interesting room with a bunch of people. I, I trusted my gut to go to this event called Experts Academy with Brendan Burchard years ago. I'm like, I don't know about this. This is weird, you know, stuff. They're hugging each other. Everybody's clapping. <laughs> <It's kind of laughs> the woo-woo stuff. It's I, like, oh, ah. this is all about, right? But <laughs> hey, I, I went to the thing and I just kept flowing with the flow, man. Like, and it just, I eventually, after like three years, end up, uh, I'm on stage speaking for Brendan. We have a fitness product together. And I, granted, I just showed up as a guy in the stands and I had no intention of meeting the dude, but I just kept doing what my gut said to do. Join the group, talk, share your story. People meet people, they connect. People can tell other people about me that reach a certain level where other people meet people and introduce. It's just weird. Yeah. And so I'm sitting, I'm, I get to this point that, that all in of itself is a weird 
trust the gut. But then I got to this, this one moment where I built this brand called Trust Your Hustle. <clears throat> and this, tr- this Trust Hustle brand was built off my personal story. Hmm. I'm in a room. It's not even a room. It's actually out in the woods. It was, uh, it was me, Brandon Burchard. It was Ethan Willis, Russell Brunson, Jeff Walker, Trent Shelton, Lewis Howes. I think Dean Grass there. It's an amazing group of humans. <clears throat> it's a weird, a weird group, right? It's uh, it is not weird, but like it's weird that I got to go there because I'm like, I'm just Anthony, <laughs> and I'm telling my story and, I, and I'm doing my thing. And one of the guys, Ethan, I tell him about my trust or hustle, and he goes, I don't like it. I go, What do you mean you don't like it? He goes, Ah, I don't like it. He goes, you know, I, I get it. I get your story, and I go, Dude, like now my gut was going, Oh, I hate this. I don't like it. What do you mean? I love this stuff. And he goes, There's what's called a message and a messenger. He goes, the messenger is the person who delivers the message. It says, you're the messenger. You can talk, you can share, you can speak. I can, you have the compassion. He's like, you have the story, all of that. But he said, but your message is the wrong message. And if the message and messenger, for whatever reason, are out of alignment, you'll never make the impact. And mm-hmm. so what he said is, he says, I, I get you're talking about hustle, but we all hustle. He says, however, like, I want to know how you navigated all the identities of the foster kid and the poor kid and the only black kid in a white family and the sports and then not being good and being good and having a kid in college and then meeting your real dad in college and then NFL, marriage, divorce, remarriage. Like, bro, how did you get here? How did you navigate these different identity shifting moments that would knock most people off for a lifetime? How'd you get here? And I go, oh, I don't know. He goes, that's what you got to talk about. Forget this trust or hustle thing. Now, my gut was screaming at me, do it. My head was saying, but I've already built a bunch of courses and I, I speak on this and I've got a logo and I've got a website and that's what I do. You know what I mean? That's what my head's telling me. Yeah, it's like, nope, nope, nope. My gut's like, no, go do this. And I'm like, oh. And to be honest, I was like, all right, I, I trusted the gut. I trashed like 13 courses I'd built. Wow. I, I got rid of all of it, man. And Brennan's like, I didn't tell you to do that. And I was like, I know, but I did anyway. So. <laughs> How'd it go but all in? I did. And I went all in. And the very next year was the most financially profitable year ever. It's built, it's built my brand personally into something that aligns heavily with the message. It allows me to make a great impact. Uh, it allows me to, to create the books I create and the speeches. I get to speak at Funnel Hack and Live this year because I have my own bubble, uh, we'll call it a niche within all the work of this world. And that's because I trusted the gut. I could have easily said, no, Ethan, you're tripping. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep building here. But my gut told me, no, man. And so I trusted it. And it was the smartest professional decision I have made in probably the last 10 years. That's an, that's an incredible story. And glad you trusted your gut, <laughs> went forward with it, went all in with it. And then you took some action on that. And and within that, the the identity pieces and, you know, everyone here probably, you know, they don't want to trust their gut because maybe they don't know their identity or there's a lot of shifts that they're having in their life. What, what advice would you give to people to be like, okay, how can they start thinking about trusting their gut? I know the simple action answer is action, but what are some things that people can start doing to start listening to that gut and being more insightful on it? Ah, well, you know, the thing is you listen, yeah, you listen to it, you make some choices, uh, and then it, it's, it's, I wish it was, I wish it was more convoluted and in depth in action, but the only, what's that one quote that it says, um, good decisions are made from, um, you know, experience or bad experience or some good decisions are made from experience, right? It might be, but experiences is born of good, bad decisions. Is that what it is? Uh, I don't know who said it, but it's basically like, you know, the, the experiences that you have, whether they're good or bad, help you regardless, right? From a good perspective. It's pretty much saying like in order to make good decisions, you have to have experience and experience comes from bad decisions. That's what it is, right? So you have to go out and do things. But the idea is when you do them, most people just do it and don't think about what they're doing. They just do it and "Ah, move on. Whereas for me, I think about it and I think about what the outcome was and I process it. I give the subconscious something to to think about and to use. And, And that's the biggest issue is if you think about it, and in the moment of doing it, you actually get the lesson that you can put in your subconscious. There are a lot of people who are old that have no wisdom. And people go, how can you be old and have no wisdom? Well, because wisdom comes from contemplation on experience. This happened. Did I look at it? Did I learn from it? And if I didn't look and learn from it, there's no way I'm going to garner wisdom. And I believe that wisdom is just a really, really good gut. You know what I mean? And like a connection with it over years of life experience. So I know people that are, you know, 
early 30s that have phenomenal wisdom from life because they started looking and contemplating. I know people that are 60 years old who couldn't wisdom themselves out of a, a paper bag because they just, they live life. And it's like, bro, did you not learn anything from all that? And that's the crazy thing. So the way I look at it, if somebody wants to get the gut better, continue living your life the same way you're already doing. Kick it up a notch if you can, yeah. but spend more time presently learning from the life experiences you're already having. Yeah, I'm, I, th- I think that's a, a really great point. You know, and, and same thing with, you know, there are people that, you know, I've seen, worked with, et cetera, and they've had X amount of experience within like sales, but they don't have that wisdom because they haven't really had those conversations with themselves to figure out like, how can they be growing? What am I doing that's wrong? What are the learning lessons in everything that I do? It's that, that the self-awareness, that assessment that you're talking about. And so as we wrap up, the final question we always ask people is what's the best advice that you've received recently? Recently, to read a book called Outwitting the Devil. Ooh, that was, that's a good one. Yeah. Boy read Hill. That Dude, that one, Boy Hill. that one unsettled me in a good way though. You know, like it's one of those ones you're like, dang, dude, like you, it gives you a filter to see the world. And I, it's interesting because I think every book is different for each person based on the ears that you're listening with, right? So the filter of my life, I put it through that and experiences and it gives me a really like, like mind altering perspective. But that was some, that's some of the best advice because it allows me to, um, to look at the world in a different way, but also it has me give, I get more compassion. I get more perspective. I can have better conversations with people in my life also because of understanding the language of how he put life into, into those, those statements. So like that was some of the best advice that I've had is to read that book. Yeah. I'm anything. Napoleon Hill is great. Law of success is my favorite book of all time, but out in the devil, you read it and it's, it's, it's unsettling growth. That's, that's the best way to put it. You're just like, this is heavily unsettling, but I get it. (laughs) I get it. I get it. It makes sense. So Anthony, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? I know you got a book coming out here in August. If you want to talk about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, at Anthony trucks on Instagram, cause that's where I spend most of my time. Uh, outside of that, I have a book coming out in August. It's uh, it's called identity shift upgrade, how you operate to elevate your life. And the whole purpose behind the book was to take all the things I'm talking about conceptually and teach people how to make the identity shifts that help you tactically and tangibly elevate your life, more money, more income, more impact from a standpoint of understanding that for the majority of us, we've got enough of the information we need. But the missing piece for a lot of us is understanding how to become the person that can apply it properly. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the thing. And, and when you understand how to, how to do it, what's cool is along the journey, you all you're always making accomplishments take place. But at a certain time you hit that, that, I don't know, like that critical mass and it just moves. And all of a sudden things just flow because it's now a different level of your identity. And this book walks you through how to do that. So if people want to get that, uh, they can easily go grab it. Go to identityshiftbook.com. Use the code one up, the number one and then up because that's obviously your podcast. Hooked it up. Look at you. I got a code for you, dog. There you go. And, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Go through the process. And for the first 10 people that, uh, that go through the process, they'll get an extra book from me, which is pretty much you get an autographed book from my hand to your house. Uh, I'll give the audio book. I also give the digital version of the book. And there's a workbook that goes along with it. So I took the coaching I do and I synthesize it down to the most kind of impactful kind of segments. Yep. And I put it into a workbook. So people that are like, I want to do this. I got the book. Like I read the book. I get it. Like how do I really put it into action? The workbook guides you through it. And like if they go and use one up, they get all those for free. And and then we appreciate you. The audience, the audience appreciates you as well. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing some just wealth of knowledge and wealth of insight for everybody. Like I learned a lot today. And as always, y'all, first of all, foremost, go check out Anthony's book. Do not miss out on that. And one up and we'll see you all next time. 